Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Guys in the Cheap Seats podcast with Charles Campisi, where I interview sport business professionals and get insight into their careers and experiences. Today's guest is Dane Chester. Dane is the Miami Dolphins assistant director of video. In his current role, he combines his love for video and sport by providing coaches and players everything they need from a practice and game video standpoint to help them perform at the highest level. In addition to his work with the Dolphins, Dane has worked with the Cleveland Gladiators, Ohio State University football program, Cleveland Browns, DV Sport, and the University of Illinois football program. He also earned his bachelor's degree from Baldwin Wallace University. Dane, welcome to the program, and tell us a little bit about life in Miami. It's been good to actually like have some roots down here. I've like got started. It was uh, it's kind of moving around all the place. So this is like my first time actually like you know living in a new area and getting used to it. So South Florida's definitely takes some uh, it takes some time getting used to, but um, no, it's great. You know, can't complain about the weather. I guess. Yeah, I mean you've you've lived down here. You know what it's like. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it, living in Miami is just it's a it's a different world. Uh, yeah. You know, and I lived. Uh, I was the opposite though. I lived in the Gables and commuted uh, to oh, Davie every okay. day. Um, and, and so that was because the first year I was down there, I was with the I was with the Canes, and gotcha. then and then I went to the Dolphins. So so my commute was still like useless. One is still not a fun part of the commute, but once you hit ninety five. No. Uh, oh, and, yeah. you're go- and you're going north and not south in the morning and you're going south and not north in the evening. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not it's not too bad from that standpoint. No, I, I get that. No, I actually haven't made it down to the Gables yet. I've been meaning funny every year I try to get down, try to go see the uh, the Canes video guy because uh, he comes to uh, sees us like a couple times a year. We work with him a lot. Uh, he's usually borrowing equipment from us or whatever. But I just know down there it's supposed to be absolutely gorgeous and beautiful and I don't know. I've always been a kind of a fan of the cane. So it'd be cool to like check out the practice facility and, you know, get that whole aspect of it. Yeah, we were down there. We stopped in um, when we went down for Super Bowl 54 uh, last year. Um, okay. We toured some of their facilities and it was, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed. Uh, you know, the heck athletic center is a heck of a lot different uh, <laughs> now <laughs> than when I was there uh, uh-huh. for years, my key would still work. Um, they didn't, they didn't like collect my key back when I left and I totally forgot I had it. And then I had to meet a buddy there one time when I came down to visit and he's like, Oh yeah, just come to the heck. And I got there late and it was like the front doors were locked. So I was like, Oh, you know what? I think I still have a key. Um, like went back to my car, grabbed my key and <laughs> keyed no myself way. into the building. And this is like no four years way. later, you know? Um, uh, oh, that's so, awesome. Uh, I'm sure they probably changed that and they've likely changed the password to the Hall of Fame, uh, disabling the alarm system. I don't know. Uh, you never know. Maybe so you never know. Yeah, yeah. For a little, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so, but to get, to get into the kind of the meat of this, um, you're the <clears throat> assistant video director for the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So if you could tell us a little bit about your role how you got there and, and kind of what the, the day to day is for, you know, a video director for an NFL franchise. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll start with, uh, kind of what I do. So people kind of have an understanding cause I know there's usually kind of, uh, some misconception around like, you know, what the job of a video guy is. Uh, I know if I tell people I'm a video guy from the Miami dolphins, if they even have a clue what that is, it usually starts off with like, Oh, that's cool. You, uh, 
you know, shoot highlights for the players and you're on the field and all that. <laughs> it's like not even, not even close to that. Um, so typically in a video department, the way that the, uh, it's always been, is kind of like you shoot practice, uh, you give the, you know, video, the coaches and they watch it. Um, that's kind of like the most, I guess, basic aspect I can look at it where, um, I guess what it is now though, is it's a lot more digital. So it started off back in the sixties. Uh, I don't want to make it seem like it's a history lesson here, but, uh, <laughs> Hey, that's, that's would, always good. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> guys would shoot on actual, like, you know, reels of film, uh, and they'd give it to the coaches and the coaches would go back and watch, like if they shot, like, you know, practice, it would be like hour hour and a half of film and they just sit and they'd watch the whole reel of film. Well, that evolved to kind of like a projection projectionist taking over the role and they would kind of like, you know, hire out like third party projectionists or guys that worked in the movie theater and they would splice in like different aspects of film. They wanted to see where it's like, Hey, I wouldn't just see like the first downs of this. I want to see, you know, all the, you know, second and, you know, second eights or second and like, you know, two to fives. Uh, in terms of like down and distance and like, you know, that aspect. So it was um, <laughs> that it started off with that where there was actually guys doing like real, like, you know, real work outside of what like, you know, film would be. And from there that kind of like we went to tape and then the guys were using like beta machines and then they were like, you know, had like 50 beta machines going where they record practice to like these 10 machines and then drill that down to exactly what coaches want to see. So they're not wasting time of like watching an hour and a half of film. They're watching, you know, five minutes of film here. They're watching 10 minutes of this cut up. And then it got to the digital aspect where now everything's shot on an SD card. We bring it into our system. We import it into our database. Uh, we attach... Um, data to it in terms of like actually like you know if we called it like uh 37 jet um i'm so bad with like making up like coach speak here <laughs> uh you know 37 jet you know flood uh we'll say that you know we can at least they can search by all of that you know a flood or they can sort by sort by you know all the 37 68 66 uh, and just easily be able to get like drill down film. So I don't really view myself as a video guy much anymore. I kind of view myself more as a librarian, kind of helping guys just get to what they need quicker. So they're not wasting time, you know, going through all the extra stuff they don't need to do. So we've definitely gotten, you know, as technology progresses, everything seems to progress with uh, my profession. I know uh, if you go to different video departments, kind of guys have different roles. Uh, but the way I kind of see it is it kind of more is more. We're not really a video department. We're more of a technology department because, you know, guys want to watch film on their iPad. They want to watch film on their computer. So it's like I got to be kind of adapting to the times and say, well, hey, if you want to watch in your eye, like, you know, your iPad. Well, there's three different ways to watch now. You can watch on this app. You can watch you can remote into our system and then watch like on your machine back home or you know, kind of, I don't know, whatever. So that's kind of what I do. Uh, I'm more of a, uh, a nerdy kind of tech guy that just, uh, helps coaches watch film <laughs> however they want to watch. <laughs> well, and, and from that standpoint, what, what software do you guys use or, or what are, do you need to be proficient in to make sure that, that you're able to instruct everybody on, Hey, you guys, this is what you need to know. And, and here's how you need to know how to use it. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I was actually listening to a couple of your uh, older podcasts and uh, you had Justin on from Huddle and yeah. um, Huddle doesn't have an NFL presence. I kind of wish they did because I love Huddle. They're great, <laughs> great company. 
but uh, we use a program similar to Huddle. Um, so all it is is just <sighs> really all it is is Excel, like an Excel sheet attached to like a, a video player. That's probably the best way I can describe it. And that's we use Exos and uh, Exos and there's DV Sport too. Uh, kind of it's split, not fifty fifty in the NFL of who's using what, but like those are like the two major players, and that's it. So a guy clicks on an Excel, like you know, uh, not uh, da, 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 not column, but um, and they click on an Excel row, and it brings up that play. And if there's you know multiple fields of data attached to each play, whether it's like down distance, their actual like you know. Um, the concept of what they ran, the route they ran. Um, I'm, going, I'm trying to name fields here. There's like, really, we have probably 500 fields of data if we've maxed out all our fields per play. It's as much or as little as we want it to be. It really is up to the coach to put us in as much information as they want. Or if it's a game, we have, uh, we use Pro Football Focus, who they uh, supply us with tons of data. I think it's like 370 uh, different fields of data per play. So, um, it's really just access, like that's it. You open it up, you click the uh, edit or the game you want, and then uh, you're able to just kind of sort by the data. Because I coaches really don't watch a full like hey, if we ran 66 plays of offense, they don't sit and watch those 66 plays of offense. They're usually watching certain uh, specific situations, and that's kind of what they're uh, either grading or making up game plans off of. Now, what's what's the most common one that you see? You know, is it typically just down and distance? Is it um, specific concepts that you mentioned, or what do you think coaches are typically searching on those types of things, or the players? Um, well, I would say for the coaches, it all depends on what the position is. I think uh, any more, um, they'll usually have different coaches do different situations. So, like a, one coach will be in, char- in charge of like red zone um, efficiency for that week. Another will be in charge of goal line. Um, you know, we have our pass game coordinator, run game coordinator. I think a lot of those guys are looking at mainly just the nuts and bolts are just down in distance. Uh, so it'd be a lot of like, well, we want to see all second downs, but they don't want to They you know, we might have a cut up that's just all second downs. Then it's going to be second down one to three. Then it's going to be uh, another one that's second down four to eight. And then it'll be like nine plus like second down nine plus. So you'll have like four edits for that, like second down. Then third down might be different parameters. Uh, if they want to look at red zone, it'll be like, let's see the red zone on third downs. Let's see it when, I, I guess, it, yeah, it is based off down and distance, but uh, trying to load exos right now to get you some more specific ones. But um, <laughs> it really all depends on the coach and what they're assigned for that week or what they're doing. Okay. Now, from that standpoint, I mean, I remember when it used to be, you know, beta tapes and, and you're oh, yeah. literally exchanging tapes. You know, you had to make sure that you got your tapes in the FedEx container quick enough <laughs> so you could get them to the opposing team so you wouldn't get, you know, fined by the league or whatever. Uh, so what oh, is yeah. the, what is the film exchange? <laughs> <laughs> what does the film exchange look like now? Uh, the film exchange definitely has progressed a lot. So like what you were saying, what it used to be, it was uh, you'd film the game it'd be on a beta machine or you'd film it to a beta tape. You'd copy that tape, uh, that which you had to do in real time. So if the game was three hours and you filmed like two and a half hours of it, uh, you'd have to wait two and a half hours for that tape to copy. 
and that's all post game. So most games are like, you know, if I'm looking at it from a college perspective, because I heard always there was always the great stories in college of like these people doing this. So <laughs> college game is played at like, you know, seven o'clock takes three hours, to get played. You're at 10 o'clock, takes another two and a half hours for you to copy the tape. It's now midnight. Uh, there'd be certain like, you know, planes that might take off at like a nearby airport that are kind of like FedEx. Uh, and it was always, I have to wait for the plane. So if you go to the airport, you got to wait, you know, Hey, it ships at three o'clock or it opens up at like six o'clock. Guys would sit and wait in the air, like, you know, the airport parking lot till it opened up, they drop off the tape. The opposing team gets it like, you know, later that day, usually. And then hopefully by, if they play the game on Saturday, hopefully the coaching staff's watching it by Sunday night at best and maybe Monday. So like it might take two days for you to actually get the most recent tape of the next opponent you're playing, which in today's day and age is unfathomable because that's I have coaches calling me probably 10 minutes after the game, usually asking where the film is and <laughs> that's where we're at now. So I can get a game. If our games, we get done with our game, I can get our game to our coaches in probably less than 10 minutes. Um, and that's on a, that's usually on a good day, but if from our opponent, um, we have, all we have is, uh, you submit our film to, uh, it's called the CGE website. I forget what that stands for at the moment. But uh, we submit our film. Uh, we just drop it in a folder that's kind of mapped to all of our computers. Um, it kind of goes through to the league. The league just makes sure that like they can put it in their system. Everything looks good, and it's not going to like even mess up. You know the other you know thirty one teams. You know systems. Once they kind of give it the okay, everyone can download that and have access to it. So usually within an hour, yeah, about an hour after a game, we have access to like all the one o'clock you know games. If it's a four o'clock kickoff, we'll usually have access to all the four o'clock games at like seven. Uh, Monday night football games are usually a little bit tougher just because teams are getting in really late. So they submit their film a little bit later, but you know, we'll probably have access to that like two or three in the morning. Wow. So it's definitely, it's definitely changed a lot. Uh, we're trying to get some, uh, we have our yearly meetings here in a couple of weeks. We're trying to get that moved up to where we can actually get the film a little bit quicker, but uh, you know, it's definitely from, you know, sitting in an airport parking lot or airport parking uh, parking lot at like, you know, five in the morning. It's uh, yeah, it's not that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's good for you guys. It actually gives you at, at least momentary breaks. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> no, that's the, that's the whole thing. Like that, that is the job is just trying to be as efficient with the time that you're given and um, try to get a, any extra free time just, you know, gives you more time to kind of prep and, look at other things you can try to make more efficient. So, I mean, that's, that's my job. It's just efficiency. <laughs> now, now from that standpoint, once it's uploaded and, and the coaches can kind of, kind of go through that, that Excel esque spreadsheet that, that mm-hmm. you have, what are you guys doing during the week? Obviously filming practice, doing those types of things. Are you doing some of those polls for coaches and, and saying, Hey, it's all right here. You can just access this one file or, or what is your, kind of Monday through Saturday look like outside of, Hey, yeah, we're shooting practice. And then we got to break down that practice film, which, you know, mm-hmm. can depending on how long practice is right. Uh, maybe longer or shorter on any given day. Uh, well in a, in a, in a non COVID year, it would be kind of, uh, it depends on the coach. Um, I kind of, uh, I'm usually in charge of, um, like our offensive staff, we kind of split our department into like offense, defense, special teams. And then uh, my boss kind of just like, he's more of the big picture kind of guy. So if there's like a big problem or something like that, he might step in. But for the most part, it's kind of like, we kind of just deal with our coaches. Um, So a lot of my guys, I try to make sure I 
teach them the program the best that I can, or at least what they're willing to learn. So I'm not really doing a lot of pulls for guys because I kind of just try to say, hey, what do you need to look at? Let me build you a filter that automatically builds the cutups you need uh, on a weekly basis. But I'll get a lot of, uh, hey, I want to put this video into my cutup. Like they'll do a lot of YouTube videos. A lot, a lot of the coaches like to do different kind of games with the players to help them teach uh, things. So I'll kind of work with like building slides for guys, uh, just kind of more like the technical stuff. Um with like, I guess, building presentations that they may not be because I mean, we're dealing with like some of our coaches are like 60 years old. They're not going to learn how to do PowerPoint. They're not going to learn how to make animations and that they're not going to, you know, learn how to make things look a little bit nicer for <laughs> like players. to. Learn. <laughs> so uh, I'll work with that aspect in the week uh, during COVID. Now uh, we we're all working remotely because we had to move from being in a meeting space every single day to now the coach is presenting from his couch. Uh, that was a lot more, you know, that's a lot different because I actually have to teach coaches the technology. I might have to remote into their machine and start the meeting. And, you know, if we start in our, you know, a squad meeting, which is the entire, all the staffs, all three sides of the ball in one room, I might have to help the coach like start his offensive meeting or position meeting depending. And then if he needs help, like, Hey, I'm going to want to start where I'm, you know, on the camera and I'm looking at the guys and I'm kind of catching up with them. And then we want to progress to okay, I want to share my screen and I want to share my exos window and they're watching video. Then I got to help the guy. Well, it started off. We had to help them. They got to a part, point where they could actually like, you know, navigate zoom themselves. But, you know, again, zoom to, and I'm sure like, you know, a lot of people found that like, you know, teaching zoom to your parents wasn't the easiest thing. And then teaching it to a football coach is a whole nother beast. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's where that's at. So yeah, that was, that was an interesting thing this year, but it was great seeing the coaches actually like, utilize technology because they were forced to it wasn't one of those like ah you know you do that you know it was one of those no well coach if you want to do this effectively you got to do it so well which should hopefully benefit you in the the coming years uh from that standpoint having a savvier staff oh no it helped it helped a ton Uh, i mean because we had guys that our, our biggest thing was you know me and my boss always talk about it is that like we wish we could get the coaches out of the building not because like we don't want to be here we want free time it's just like we just know that there's a lot of time that just seems like they're sitting in front of their desks and i know like me personally like you got to get a change of scenery sometime like if you're just stuck at a desk all day you're not going to get a lot done you need to you know take breaks or whatever so it's like man if we get these guys working at home that'd be the best and I mean, luckily throughout like, you know, the whole COVID process, we found a way for them to go home and work just as efficiently, if not more efficient at their house than in the office. Cause you know, in the office you get distractions, I guess at home you get distractions too. But I mean, a lot of these guys have their own office and they're just, you know, in there all day by themselves. So, I mean, we had them all set up with almost a one-to-one setup. If they had it at their office, they had it at their house and they're able to remote in, watch the film smoothly and make cutups like they normally would. And they'd had zoom meetings. Like they, they'd have their normal, like 11 o'clock staff meeting with their, you know, the whole, all staff. And then they'd split to an hour later, like defensive staff, offensive staff, and then position coaches would meet with their assistants and players. And it was just, I, no one complained. Not one person said like, I can't do this or I can't do that. Like, I don't think I can't was ever mentioned. It was just, Oh, I can, I can do this too. Yeah. Great. Awesome. And, that's pretty awesome. Ask for a better setup. Yeah, no, it's it, it was great. <laughs> now, now you mentioned all of that, and 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 so we know obviously COVID had that impact. What other impacts did COVID have on you know your department kind of throughout this 
you know, I would say starting in March last year, right through present yeah. day. Um, I don't know. I mean, the biggest thing was just saying, how do we take these? So our meeting rooms are like sanctuaries to us. Like our vi- the video department kind of runs them like every meeting room. And like technology wise, we had a lot going on in there because a lot of our coaches like to teach in different ways. So every room's different, but we have like some guys might want like a telestrator in their room so they can actually like telestrate on the uh, like on a monitor in front of them and it goes up to the projector so they can circle players and they're not having to like highlight with like a laser pointer on the screen and everyone can see it. So like different technologies like that. Some guys have overheads too. That's another like thing. I know it's kind of antiquated in today's day and age, but um then COVID hit and it was like, uh, we just got like a email from our head coach saying like, Hey, we need to learn zoom. And luckily we got in, like, I think it was like the week before Florida, like shut down, like, you know, meeting in person. Um, and we were able to teach the kind of the coaches like, Hey, this is what zoom is. And we didn't really know it ourselves at the time. I don't just like everyone, no one else in, you know, February last year knew what zoom was. Um, so we had to learn that. And, uh, it was just a lot of, I on the fly, just, get used to this technology so we can then teach the technology. And then from there, once we got them like with zoom, it was, we kind of had a little bit of a break cause we weren't starting our meetings yet. Cause we normally with the off season starts with, um, OTAs. Um, and there's three phases of that and they get progressively more and more like involved. So like phase one is just kind of meeting with the players and that takes place for two weeks. Phase two is you can do like practice with the players on the field, but it's not like actual practice. It's kind of like on air, uh, walkthroughs and then phase three is kind of like you can put the offense versus the defense but they can't like touch each other and then these go that goes into um uh mini camp and mini camp's like a three-day uh deal where you can actually have full added practices so it was one of those we had to get ready for phase one which is going to be the teaching aspect and like how do we make sure these coaches all have like laptops at their house that will have access to like you know the film all their files back you know because a lot of these coaches work with powerpoint and visio drawings how do we make sure that they have access to like our server back here and everything's working out needs to. And it was a lot of heartaches and just, I mean, pro- constant problems. We'd have one guy solved and then another problem would like you rise. And then we realized that was everyone else too. And it was just kind of like one problem after another, but we, you know, you got to solve each problem as they come. And our coaches were, you know, I guess patient enough to work with us on that. And really once meetings started, we never really had any issues. And then, course like two weeks would go by and we had a whole new set of problems we had to go with and everything else and it just was i don't know there's constant like you know challenges around each corner but it's just that's the fun part of the job that i like is that i mean it doesn't make the job boring there's always something to solve like you know to solve and when you do you get that little bit adrenaline rush and it's kind of like what else can i do so that's yeah covid sucked but at the same time and it made me better at my job. So I can't really, can't really complain about it. Well, and you mentioned that, you know, you kind of view you guys as a, as a technology department, how closely were you working with, you know, your IT department on trying to get all these coaches set up, making sure they had access to the server, making sure that the connections were secure, all of those pieces. Oh, we, I'm daily. Um, so we have Josh and Patrick that are our two IT guys, which I wish we had more. And it's funny, if you talk to other video guys in the in the NFL, like they want nothing to do with their IT guys. They're like, oh, those nerds and those guys are always infringing on our stuff. And like, that's really kind of what the uh, like 
my field is progressing to is that it is just becoming more technology. And I know a lot of like counterparts kind of view it as infringing on like, you know, what they've always done. I welcome it. I love our video. I love our IT guys. I just, (laughs) that's why we're like the technology department is because like coaches don't even know what, like, you know, they can't tell the difference between us and we don't really want them to, because like if he picks up his phone and he's like, Hey, my printer's not working. Is that like video or is that IT? Like, we like they're they have exos computers so like the printer tech like if they need to print technically it's on our computer so it's kind of like their thing our thing so it's like no just call this general line one of us will pick up we'll work behind the scenes and we'll get it solved for you mm-hmm. so like, yes throughout the whole covid process i mean we talked to josh and patrick daily which we already did before that anyway but like yeah it was no issues i mean we work together if we get new computers or if I find new computers I want to do, I'll call like Patrick. He'll tell me like, Dane, stop with that stupid idea. Or like, you know, don't do that. And I'll, <laughs> I'll get a little, you know, you know, push and shove too. But like I, those guys are the best. I mean, we wouldn't be able to do our job, you know, as, as well as we do without them. And I know, like, I hope they'd say the same about us, but I mean, we just try to make sure that like, at least for our end user, which is the coaches, like it's just, it's seamless. They don't need to know any of the hardships and they don't need to learn any like new technologies. Like we'll, we'll do all the heavy lifting for them. So their job is as easy as possible. Okay. Now, how did you get started? What was your path, you know, from, Hey, young kid who wants to work in sport to, you know, assistant director of video for an NFL team? Uh, do you want the abbreviated version or do you want the long version? It's a podcast. We want the long version, right? (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. You asked for it. Um, I, (laughs) I don't want to sound cheesy with this, but I guess my path to video started well before I was born. Um, so I am the only second generation video guy that I actually have ever met in my life. I'm sure there's other ones out there. I hope there is by now, but, uh, my dad was actually the uh, assistant video director for the Cleveland Browns, uh, when I was born. And so I'll like some of my very first memories in sports are like the holiday parties at the Cleveland Browns and the, like, you know, Berea facility, like running around in the indoor and thinking like, as like a three-year-old, like, this is the biggest building I've ever been in. This is awesome. <laughs> like, this is an indoor field, like just running around, like taking pictures with these like football players. I remember like one of my, the best picture I ever took was a picture with Bernie Kozar, who was like my like hero as a child. And like thinking like, this is the coolest thing in the world. Like my dad has the coolest job. And uh, it was fun. It's funny because like my dad, like his whole, like my whole life has told me like, don't do what I do. I don't, you know, you're, you're smarter than I am. You're, you know, just don't work in sports. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to say it's good advice, but you know, it's funny. I can definitely see what he's talking about now. So anyway, I was, you know, born into it. I kind of never wanted anything to do with sports uh, for the most part. I thought it was a cool job and everything else, but like, I never really thought like I, I wanted to be more in like video because I love, I love that as a passion when I was in high school, I loved making videos with my friends. I love doing like, if I had a project from a teacher, I'd love to say like, Hey, can I turn it into a video project? And they'd say, sure. And it would be just me messing around for the next like week. And I'd get an A on it. Cause I did like, you know, wasn't written report or anything. So I loved, I loved a digital aspect of everything. And, um, I think I was about 16. Uh, My dad asked me if I wanted to uh, help out his buddy at the Browns uh, video director. His name's Pat Dolan. He was looking for just uh, somebody to come film at um, the uh, preseason games and it was doing security camera. And it was a really weird job looking back on it because he's like, here's a like Sony Handycam, like this super small camera. He's like, 
I need you to walk around like the uh, like the field level and just record everyone in the lower bowl, like, you know, the 100 level. I'm like, what am I doing this for? He's like, what it is, is like people get rowdy at the end of preseason games and they start getting in fights. And what we do is like, you'll like, you know, get a picture of like what section you're filming and you'll just kind of get like their face on camera. So if we can go back and we can say, oh, it was this guy and this guy, they're wearing these jackets. Uh, <laughs> you know, we can go back and like arrest them. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I, about this time is when I kind of started like, you know, I started playing Madden with my, my, my friends and I started like loving football. So like being on the field was like the coolest thing in the world. It was like the adrenaline rush you got on the field and like, you know, the players come out and like, you know, all the theatrics of, you know, what is game day was like, just, it was amazing. So I'm like, this is awesome. So I ended up helping Pat, uh, the Browns for the next like year or two. And I loved everything he was doing. Like uh, my dad ended up, ended up leaving the Browns uh, when I was like, you know, six or eight. And he ended up becoming the video director at the Indians. So he was always into baseball and baseball was always boring to me and I didn't really care. So like when I saw like the football element of it with Pat, I was like, I this is awesome. And um, about that time is when I kind of wanted to get into football and I didn't really know what way, but I wanted to be a GM. And I feel like that was like the that's what everyone says when they want to work in the sports. Yeah, I was going to say like every scout. single sport management, you know, yeah. and I got a great year old sto- ever. <laughs> yeah. And I got a great story about that here in a, in a minute. Uh, so I ended up getting like probably the greatest opportunity in my life. And uh, I was 18. I uh, it was a day after the uh, hall of fame game in uh, Canton. I was uh, invited to go to this thing called scout school, at the Cleveland Browns. So Phil Savage was the uh, GM of the Browns at the time. And he was like an old acquaintance of my dad. Cause the whole old, like, you know, the Brown, like 95 Browns, uh, you know, coaching staff is like, you know, in history of like, you know, you have Phil Savage, Mike Tannenbaum, Scott Pioli, um, uh, Dimitrioff, uh, who was just at the, uh, the Falcons. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the other guys, like these GMs, these coaches, Kurt Ferentz, uh, you know, obviously Bill Belichick, like my dad knew all these guys. And had all these connections and it was absolutely like incredible. And like he called up like uh, Phil Savage, like when I was like, you know, just I don't know, a couple weeks prior and was like, hey, my son's looking to get into sports. There's anything you do for me. He's like, yeah, I'm actually having like, this scouting clinic with all of our scouts. They're coming into town. Like, you know, if he wants to sit in for a couple days. So I had the ability to go like, you know, they called it scout school and I got there, but sit in with the scouts, sit in with the GM and they're like, hey, let's talk about, you know, this player. Yes, he's got fluid hips, you know moves quick not fast you know all and i'm just like it was like if i had a love on foot like a football this was like being on steroids like i was just like completely immersed in it for three days like these i think the each day was like 18 hours it was like it was long we got there (laughs) super early left super late and i remember leaving like there, just like i this this is it this is what i'm going to do i'm going to be a scout in the nfl i want to be a gm like i want to be the guy making the decisions and then um I don't know. Long story short, obviously that didn't happen, but it was, I mean, I left there thinking like, this is, this is what I have to do. I have to go to school. I have to make sure like I, I become, I'm in football. Like I have to work in football. So I ended up spending a year at Tri-C cause my grades sucked in high school. Ended up going transferring <laughs> to BW, which by the way, greatest decision ever made going to Tri-C first, knocking out all the core classes and not having to pay to BW an extra year tuition. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, not sure if your uh, your students want to hear that or not, but anyway, I might edit that part. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so go to BW, 
And going back to the story that I had that was kind of interesting, the first day of sport management class, we had Alvy Styles was the head professor. And I it was like, you know, sport management 101 or whatever, whatever the class was called, intro to sport management. Yeah. And she does the uh, she was all about the tough love. She's trying to tell us all the pains and hardships of working in sports and how terrible it is. And she's like, if you don't know anyone, you're never you're, you won't make it in the sport. It's all about connections. And like she's like you, what do you want to be? And like, somebody's like, oh, I want to be a GM. Oh, I want to be, you know, the head of this. And like, she's like, who do you know? And he's like, I don't know anyone. And someone's like, oh, my like brother's cousin is, you know, I don't know. So I'm like, you know, agent. And she's like, okay, like, doesn't matter. And like, she's like, who, she points at me. She's like, who do you know? And I go, I spout off this list of all these people that I know. And I've met a couple of these people like, uh, you know, once or twice. And I was like, uh-huh. Phil Savage of the Cleveland Browns, Scott Pioli, who's the GM of the Atlanta Falcons, Mark Shapiro, who's the GM of the Indians, Ozzie Newsome, Mike Tannenbaum, like all these names. And the whole class kind of starts slowly turning and looking at me. And she's like, her mouth kind of dropped. And she's like, oh my God. And like, obviously her point was like, you know, mute at, at that, at that at point. And, uh, I'm like, I felt like I got this huge head like, oh, yeah, I know all these people. I, I'm, I'll be fine. So I spent like the next like I didn't really do anything with it. And uh, I'm, there's a point to the story later on. So luckily, I still had my connection at the uh, at the uh, Browns with Pat. And so he hooked me up with a uh, internship working in uh, new media, uh, the the Browns. And he kind of told he sat, sat me aside wait, day wait, wait. one. He, yeah. What is new media at that point? Oh, what is it? It was no one knew what it was. And essentially it's what like production departments are now. So new media at that point was here's the website for like clevelandbrowns.com. Here's content for that. And there was like no content (laughs) whatsoever. Yep. And uh, I was brought in to kind of help um, God, uh, Tim Tim Dubrovitz. I believe he's working at uh, one of the news stations right now. But I was I was his uh, intern and I would work with him and our talent, which was Jim Howerton, who's, I believe, at Canton right now working for the Hall of Fame. And it would just be Jameer's going to go like you were going to go film a piece for Jameer. I would kind of help put in like, you know, the metadata and everything on the website to say like here, this goes here. This is called this. I was pretty much cataloging more than anything else. And I learned everything I needed to know about production in the NFL. I hated the job because it was not anything I wanted to do at all. I couldn't stand the internship because it was like really boring (laughs) but looking back on it it helped me a ton a ton later on and um it was a great internship but like i started off because uh pat told me day one he's like hey i know you want to be a scout what we're going to do is you're going to do this to get your foot in the door for a year once you're in there for a year i'm going to bring you into my department you're going to be our seasonal intern for the next couple years and I'm going to help you meet all the people you need to know. You're going to work in our scouting department. If there's anything that comes in from the college side, you're going to do it and you're going to meet these guys. So that way, when you graduate college, you're going to have an internship or you're going to have a, a full-time job working in our scouting department. He's like, he, I don't know why Scott or Pat was always looking out for me, but I was busting my ass for him. And he just kind of, I don't know, always appreciated that. Yeah, it tends to help. <laughs> yeah. And so that was great and all. And I, again, my head could not be any bigger at this point. And I'm like, Oh, I'll be fine. Well, and I'm at age 20 and I'm a sophomore. Well, junior year hits. I don't have the internship anymore. Pat gets, uh, I forget if he quit or got fired from the Browns. He's out of there. And so I don't have anything. And at that point it's junior year. I'm still thinking, well, I have enough connections and I'm looking at everyone else around me 
and everyone else is doing internships. Everyone's doing all these different things at the Browns, the Cavs, the Indians. And it's all stuff that doesn't really interest me. But looking back on it now, it's like I should have just been doing anything I possibly could have. <laughs> and um, I really it was just one of those. I just sat and did no- nothing junior year and wasted an entire year of just, you know, developing myself. So senior year, I realized I got to start doing a little bit more. And uh, I reached out to my high school and started volunteering as a coach just because I knew I was still wanted to get in coaching. I still want to be a scout. So I need to learn like how to actually scout and how to actually like learn football. So I did that. I was working for the football team at BW at the time, and I was in the equipment department for like two years. Ended up moving to the video department. Somebody actually helped me out and was looking out for me there. Uh, actually, another BW alumni, uh, Brian Hill. He's a scout for the um, for the Rams. Uh, the Rams, yeah, great dude. Haven't talked to him in a while though. But uh, so, and then also I was still working in the NFL. Um, I was working out with um, Instant Replay on game day. So if like a guy, they go to the booth, you know, on a challenge or something like that, I was standing next to the booth and I'd like hand the official his headset. So yeah, that was kind of cool. Like senior year was awesome because Friday nights I was working in high school, like football games, Saturdays I was working for the team. And then Sundays I'd wor- be working for the, uh, you know, the NFL. So it was kind of like nonstop football all weekend. Well, that was great. I graduate and I have nothing. I did the whole thing where I emailed every or I sent a letter to every single NFL team, you know, got a, so many rejection letters. Like I got probably, <laughs> I still have a stack of a hundred rejection letters, but I mean, I'm, I thought like, Hey, at the time, like, Hey, I have, my dad has all these connections. My dad had the connections. I didn't have the connections. I didn't do anything to, you know, foster that at all. So these guys were just like, Nope, we got nothing for him. We got nothing for him. He doesn't like, you know, he doesn't work in football. He doesn't know it. They, uh, no one, no one helped me out. And I mean, looking back, I don't know why they would, because again, they weren't my connections. So why would they just help out a random stranger? So, um, at that point I sat around for six months and, um, I had absolutely nothing. That was one of the worst points of my life is realizing that you graduated, you're in debt and, uh, you don't have a job. (laughs) So luckily I had a connection, um, at the Cleveland Gladiators. He was uh, one of the, the video guy was leaving to uh, become an O-line coach. And uh, I went there as a video guy, kind of based off my knowledge of like, you know, being a BW video guy. And that was still one of the, to this day, one of the most fun I've ever had working in sports. Cause it was me, a bunch of other BW graduates that were working there. Like uh, my buddy, Kevin, what, you know, Kevin uh, yep. Grissinger. Grissinger. Yeah. He was doing game day stuff. Um, my other buddy was like the assistant GM. And, uh, the equipment manager, uh, he was a, um, Ken alumni actually, but he, like, we all just had fun every single day. We were just hanging out, having fun. Our coaching staff was awesome, but like, it was a small thing of like team of like 20 people and everyone knew each other. Everyone would talk every each day. We just kind of sit around and it was awesome. And, uh, fortunately a couple months later, actually before the season was over, I applied for a job at Ohio state and I luckily got like the, probably the job that propelled me to where I'm at now. And I was the assistant video director at Ohio state. And that was a huge shock because I went from probably the lowest of, uh, where you could be in football to the highest level possible. And, uh, I got that job because of my connection with Pat really, uh, at the Browns, he was working for a software company at the time, uh, DV sport. Uh, and he knew the video director at the Ohio state. And the guy took a quit like Mark Quisenberry, who's uh, he left there recently, but he uh, he took a chance on me because I my resume was nothing at that point. 
And uh, I just think I did really well in the interview and he hired me on and it was to this day, like that guy, like quiz definitely took a chance on me. And I mean, I would not be here today with, you know, without him. And I was there for a year, uh, had, unfortunately it was probably one of the worst years in the last 30 years for Ohio state. That was the, uh, year after <laughs> <laughs> that was the, uh, coach fickle year. Uh, no Jim Trestle, uh, no urban Meyer. So, um, that was rough. Uh, we lost to Michigan that year. That sucked, but everything about that year was awesome. Living in Columbus was amazing. Um, just, I don't know, looking back on that, I just still smile and, uh, left there. Cause I kind of, uh, didn't really like, uh, what was going on with the program at the time. There was a, I, we went pretty much went to coach Meyer and, uh, being 23 and working under kind of like the high pressure situations that were going on. I just didn't want, I could see myself getting like burnout and I really loved what I was doing a lot and I didn't want to start hating what I was doing. So I had an opportunity. I reached out to the, um, Browns, new Browns video coordinator. And I was just saying like, Hey, you know, it's always been my dream to work for the Browns. You know, do you have anything available there? And he said, yeah, yeah, actually I do. And I have a seasonal internship open up, uh, you know, if you want to come down and try it out. Sure. So I went down there for like a weekend and helped him out with a couple of workouts and I loved it. And uh, I was able to move, move back home, uh, again. <laughs> and, uh, I stayed with my parents for that year and I was a seasonal intern there and that was simultaneously the worst and uh, best job I've ever had. Uh, I ended up butting heads with my boss quite a bit and I really thought about actually getting out of the profession after that. But at the same time, I was still working in the building that's always like been my dream of working in uh, and it was, it was amazing. Uh, but again, I just had, I had a different view of what my boss had. Um, and that's fine. I mean, people definitely don't see eye to eye with their boss all the time. So I ended up quitting. And fortunately, like it was like the last game of the season that year. I saw the uh, president of DV Sport. Uh, again, like we have XOs and there's DV Sport. So again, like those software that we use, like the coaches use. Um, I met the president of DV Sport. Uh, I kind of introduced myself, said, hi, you know, I'm Dane, blah, 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 you know, really like your you know product what you guys do and he's like hey well if you're ever interested and if you're out of like you know not working for the browns anymore hit me up well after the browns i kind of took a couple months off because i didn't really want to work for dv sport because the people that work for these software companies and uh kind of always say like it's the worst job possible <laughs> <laughs> it's just i mean like justin actually talked about it in his call um it's just non-stop calls like the new guys always he, i think justin mentioned the one he had uh he did the overnighter overnight which yeah is, and, uh, that was, and I knew the guys at DV sport, like that was it. If you're the new guy, you do the weekends, like the first couple months, you just always have it and there's no help. And that terrified me of just never having any free time. Just like, you're always have a cell phone that could go off at any time and it's everyone's problems. And like, you have to solve all those problems. Uh, it wasn't a fun job. I will put, I'm like looking back on it, but it definitely was like, if I was going to be a video guy, this was like going to college for being a video guy. And I became, I, I mean, I got super proficient at troubleshooting. I knew the ins and outs of my profession, but like really what it did was it gave me confidence. Cause I was, I would look up to these video guys again, being like the son of a video guy. Like I knew some of these guys and looking up to them, it was like looking at baseball cards of like, you know, all these huge players. It's just like, Oh my God, that's, Pat Dolan of the Cleveland Browns. Oh my God, that's Jim, like John Dubay of the, the Baltimore Ravens. Oh man, that's, you know, Mark Quisenberry at Ohio State. Like, you know, he's been there, like, 
all these guys that like are amazing. And then you start taking calls from them. And you're like, really? You don't know that? That's like some like, you know, <laughs> that stuff you learn like year one, man. Like, so it gave me confidence to think like, like, you know, Hey, I could be a, I could be a video director in like this profession easily. And, uh, fortunately I had a job that a job opened up at Illinois as the, uh, you know, video director there. And one of my former guys that, uh, worked with me at the Cleveland Browns, he was like the, uh, next level up from me when I was there. He knew the head coach really, really well. And, um, one of my former students at Ohio state was like, just left the job as the assistant video guy there. And both of them called the head coach and said, like, you got to hire this guy, like great dude. Of course, I think that, I hope that's what they said. <laughs> they and, said something, uh, but, right. <laughs> they said something to that effect. So the head coach called me and he pretty much brought me in the next day after the call. And it was one of those interviews that like, I had all the confidence in the world. I just said, there's no way I'm not getting this job. And I, I, I aced it. I mean, that was one of the things that I, I told the coach before I left. I shook his hand and said, like, you know, it's going to I forget exactly what I said, but along the lines of like, you're making a huge mistake if you don't hire me because I'm going to like, you know, kick ass at this job and I'm going to kick ass for you. And he he loved it. Um, and so I was there and <laughs> I will say, like, starting that off when you're actually the head guy and you're running your own department and you have like, you know, eight sets of eyes looking at you it's scary. It's absolutely terrifying. I think I had my first panic attack <laughs> when I took that job before the season started. But again, there, there's little victories you got to look at and you got to take that. Like I remember the very first practice that I ran, I'll never forget that because I was nervous as could be I, as nervous as I've ever been in my life about making sure that the cameras are in the right place. I had an assistant that had never worked in a video department before ever. And making sure he was doing what he needed to. I had a student, uh, Brian, who's now the assistant at Northwestern, who was like essentially running the practice, for, like, you know, if, really. <laughs> and he's like helping me out and doing it. I remember as soon as that practice was done, I had the film in and I checked with the coach and said, hey, is everything good? And they're like, yeah, we're fine. I remember just like, again, there's no no drug that I could have taken or anything that would ever have me higher at that point than I've ever been in my life. Like just absolutely like, this is awesome. Like, and that's kind of like when it was like, I'm doing what I need. I, I know I should be doing. And, um, I loved my job at Illinois. Um, I'm sure my wife would say differently if some of like, the stories I tell her when I come home, but, um, <laughs> I still just, when I was there, I just kind of make new connections. And like, if I met new video guys, I'd kind of take the time to talk to them and hear their stories and everything. And I was like day in freaking, I want to say like late April. Um, I got a Facebook message from the uh, guy that was kind of the head of our, um, CSVA. It's like the head of the video coordinators association in college. Uh, talked to him a couple times and we had a d decent relationship and he's like, Hey, um, I know you're interested in going to the NFL or get back to the NFL someday. I just talked to uh, Mike Nobler, who's the, uh, video director of the uh, Miami dolphins. You know, he's, uh, he's looking for an assistant, uh, put your name in there. He's going to call you tomorrow at three o'clock. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, I was kind of like, okay, I guess this is happening. I remember like my wife was taking a nap on the couch and I am like, uh, Hey Mary, um, I'm interviewing for a job tomorrow. She's like, what, where she's like kind of groggy. I'm like, uh, Miami. She's like, she looks at me. She like opened her eyes, looked at me. She's like, no, you're not. She put her head back down in the pillow and fell asleep. She did not want to move to Miami at all. <laughs> and, um, I remember I talked to Mike. I thought it was the greatest job in the world. And I knew Mike a little bit previously. He helped me out a ton at Ohio State. We had a huge issue when we played Nebraska that year. Um, 
I knew him from the, like he, uh, the previous year at, at Illinois, he was still in Nebraska. He ended up, uh, moving on to Miami cause he looked like, the position opened up here. But Mike was one of those guys that like, he seemed, he was different from all the other video guys. He was, you know, would always be in like the latest and greatest technologies. He had this huge Twitter presence because like, he was like the funny guy in football. Like he was always pulling pranks on coaches and like, they were always like these crazy videos that you have. And it's like, he was just a fun guy. And it was always one of those, like, I always wanted to work with Mike. So like when I heard that this opened up, I was just like, Oh my God, this is great. So Mike is uh, recruiting me to come down. I have this great interview with him, but I feel like this kind of sense of like urgency from him. And turns out, I think I was like his eighth, eighth or 10th choice. It was, I was way down the list. <laughs> he had offered the job to so many different people. And uh, I don't know if you could relate to this. No one wanted to move to Florida because everyone thought like, Oh, it's the Miami dolphins. you like, you might as well be like downtown living downtown. You know, you're living in a penthouse. How are you going to afford this? Which it still is, you know, a nightmare like living down here in terms of finances. But um <laughs> No one wanted to move down because they couldn't afford to like, you know, move down. And luckily it was just me and my wife at the time. And we didn't really have, you know, we didn't have a kid we had to worry about or a family and we could afford it. So um, I actually called and told Mike no uh, before I accepted the job. And he's like, you know, I'm kind of sensing a little bit of uncertainty with you. Like you want to take another day to think about it. I'm glad he gave me that option because uh, I remember talking to my, my wife and I'm like, I really, I think I really want this job. And I know I didn't want to say like, yes, because I was afraid of what she was going to say. And she's like, all right, fine. <laughs> and uh, we took it and we, we've been down here ever since. But I mean, that's my, I mean, that's really it in a nutshell. I mean, I guess it's, I know it was like the longer aspect of it, yeah, but, but I, I think mean, I was five places in five years at one point. And it was just one of those, just like, luckily enough, I had enough situations that like, you know, an opportunity was there. And I took it and wanted to see where we're going. They're all positive opportunities. I, I think you skipped over one big part, though. What's that? I think you skipped over your uh, LeBron James-esque uh, decision announcement. Oh, is that still there? <laughs> nice. Do you want to you want to give us a little uh, a little taste of of, of what uh, generated that? So, so um, that was right at the time that um, <laughs> I think LeBron came. Uh, what did he? I think he was coming back uh, to Cleveland. And I, at that point, there was a thing, a joke that me and my um, my assistant have. There's a thing called um, Football Scoop, and it's a yep. a site that like coaches go to. They normally get like you know, hey, so and so is now the wide receivers coach at like this school. This yep. AD has now been promoted here. Uh, I was on that site every single day in college because like video guys would get on there and say like, hey, so and so is now promoted to this video director, or like check out this video that you know Iowa put out. Yeah, they got and great info. It was always a thick, awesome info. If you're in college or if you want to be in college, like that is a good, great site to follow. But it was always a like a thing with me and my assistant of like we got to make football scoop. We got to make football scoop. And like that was another thing that like you know I talk about my boss. He was on football scoop with all of his pranks and everything else. And I was like, you know, if Mike's making these funny videos, so we get, ended up getting on there once with like a serious video for uh, recruiting day, which I was super proud of. But I left and I was just like, hey, I'm going to make this. Uh, let's do a LeBron James like decision announcement. And we tr- did exactly. We tried to do it the best we could uh, based off the decision thing. I tried to wear like the same like, you know, what was a plaid or whatever shirt yeah. he was wearing. And, uh, you know, we had a close up shot and my, you know, 
assistants trying to do the voice of that, you know, the interviewer the best he could. And I say like, Oh, I'm making my decision. I'm going, I'm moving to South beach. And, uh, you know, it was mainly for CSVA. I put it on that Facebook page at the time and I got a couple laughs and likes. And then all of a sudden, like the next day it was on football scoop and I'm like, what the heck? And, uh, <laughs> I remember being immediately like concerned, like, oh my God, my boss is going to see that in Miami. I think that like, <laughs> I'm an absolute jokester and I'm not taking the job seriously. Like I'm going to lose my job before I even got down there. But he's like, he could, he just found it funny and like everyone laughed it off. And then I thought that was like scrub from the internet, but here we are. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> now, now, Mike, did, did Mike take over for, for uh, the Hack Brothers? He did. Um, so the Hack Brothers, uh, well, Dave Hack retired a couple of years before uh, Bob did. And um, Bob was awesome. Bob is still awesome to this day. Like, Bob was one of those guys. Um, he was creating like his own, like, he would make his own, if they needed to get like a cable for a camera or something like that, he would make it himself. If they needed to like, you know, he would always design these weird contraptions and stuff like that. Like we got here and there was all this, like, it looked like somebody was making robots out of like their backyard. It was insane. So, uh, Bob just kind of got, oh, he reached where he needed to be for retirement and just said like, I'm done. And, um, they kind of were like, it was right before the season was going to start. And, Mike just kind of got like was fortunate enough to get the job. It was the right place at the right time. And uh, yeah, Bob is still uh, it was funny. He got out of it and he has nothing to do with it. We've invited him back a couple times just sitting like, you know, talk. And he's just like, I don't really don't want to be back in the building anymore. Spend enough time there. But, yeah, I could, yeah, I can tell you some hack, stories about those guys. Those guys are great. Well, man. Dude, the Hack Brothers are awesome. Those guys were pioneers in my field. So I always, I, again, I love hearing all the all the stories about the old guys. And, like, they're some of my favorites. And every single thing with him was wild. Like, dressing up like a freaking pirate ship captain and going on the airplane for, like, you know, the trips and stuff. And just all these weird costumes and pranks he would do. Like, he's the, he's the best. Yeah, there, there's some interesting dudes, man. There's some interesting dudes. So, <laughs> so we're a little past when I normally do this, but but the story was good, so I wasn't I wasn't going to interrupt. Um, so now that you, I know you've been a ton of places, so I'm I'm going to stick with Miami here since you've been there kind of the longest right now, and you've been there for an extended period. If we're going to lunch, I mean, and I guess you know Fort Lauderdale, Davie, kind of in the mix here, given, given the facility location, mm-hmm. if we're going to lunch, where are we going and what are we getting? Uh, I knew this question was coming and I actually tried to look this up this week. Cause I, I don't get out much. And like the, and I was thinking about well, that. Where are you my ordering wife, from? I mean, I know you guys aren't, you know, I mean, you gotta be ordering from something. Um, see, I don't like the things that are like the, like main staples or where we're at. Cause I, I'm sure you've had like La Spada's down here. Yeah. And like, it's, I feel like that's just so overrated. So again, if I'm having guests come from out of town, I like Los Olas. My wife always makes fun of me for it because it's like, that's all we ever take people from out of town. So we're going to go down to Los Olas, <laughs> which for people that are unfamiliar, it's kind of like a, uh, uh, I don't know. It's just this one main street where it's like a bunch of like unique, you know, restaurants. Uh, we're going to go down to Los Olas and I really, I'm a big fan of Rocco's Tacos. If oh, you they're can great, get in. man. They're great. Uh, yeah. It's usually like a two hour wait to get in, but that uh, table yeah, side guac, man. Ooh, yeah, that's that's the staple right there. You get that guac and they make it right in front of you. Oh, there is nothing better. And then yeah. from there, you guys can get whatever you want. But uh, yeah, if you just get the uh, the guac, Rocco's tacos, that's all you need. 
Yeah. No, I can't, I can't argue with that. I know sometimes when we, uh, my mom's in Miami. So when we go down, if we fly down, if we're flying into Lauderdale, we'll mm-hmm. just tell them, Hey, you know what? D- don't pick us up right away. We're just going to take an Uber to Rocco's. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if you guys want to meet us out there, then come, but if not, <laughs> and they typically don't want to, cause they don't like driving and all that stuff. And so I'm like, fine. I was like, well, the four of us will go grab some Rocco's tacos and then we'll head down back down to, you know, back down to Miami and see you guys. But, uh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 those burritos you. aren't anything to laugh at either. Those things are the size of your head. Yeah, no, it's so good. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, so, so we talked a little bit about the work and all of those types of things. Um, it, where can we usually find you, say, Saturdays and Sundays during the off season? Obviously, we know where you are during the season. Uh, but what's what's your off season kind of weekends? Hey, this is what I like to do. And let's let's go, you know, non COVID year. Uh, non COVID year. Um, most likely I'm probably going to still be in the office. (laughs) Unfortunately, um, non COVID year in the off season. That's the thing. Really is where you, where do you defy the off season anymore? Especially in football, at least on like the coaching side. Um, we have two different, like, you know, bosses depending on the time of year. Um, mainly we work with the coaches, but as soon as the season's done, yeah, the coaches take, you know, a month or so off, but as soon as the season's done, our the scouts and, you know, our GM, they become our boss. We got to like, you know, they start coming in to do their, uh, you know, monthly draft meetings. And, you know, if they have a meeting on the weekend, we have to be here to make sure that we support them and make sure they have video. And because really what happens if like we need someone in here, because if like a computer crashes, we got it. Someone's got to be there to fix it or for remote breaks. Like there's got to be someone to go in there and help them out and there's always enough like little technology things and quirks that pop up that like someone has to be on site. So yeah, it's just really the off season kind of just, it kind of just blends from one season to the other season um, all the time anymore. But yeah, if I'm, I'm, if I'm off on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, I'm waking up uh, maybe like an hour later if my son allows it. And uh, I'm just playing with him. He's a, he's a two year old. He's just wild, crazy. So it's just kind of like in trying to enjoy as much time as I can with the family as I, as possible. Which another good thing to COVID. I, I loved it when I was working from home. I got getting a chance to see him grow and, you know, learn different, different things was like, there was nothing better. No, that's yeah. It, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, what are, what are three pet peeves that you have? What are three pet peeves? Um, I don't know if I'm going to get to all three. All right. What do you got? What do you got? I mean, the biggest thing is that I would say, and you mean in like the aspect if I have someone working for me, right? Either way, either way, it could be, it could be something, Hey, I hate when people, I mean, living in Miami, you know, I hate the way people drive because of X, Y, and Z. So it doesn't necessarily have to be work related. Uh, it I can would, be just a personal pet peeve that you have. I'm going to put this more work related, but it definitely goes into like, you know, just normal life too. It's just when people don't care. I mean, when people don't take pride in what they're doing, I just, it drives me absolutely crazy. I think that's like the biggest thing I see too with like a lot of interns that come in and younger, uh, younger kids is that you'll ask them to do something and they'll do it. But like, they just like, you can clearly tell, like, I hate doing this. I, or like, there's like an attitude with it or just like, whatever. Hey, can you set this over there? They like, just toss it over there. Like you can't do that. Like it just, it, it, I don't know that like, it's still even talking about it. Just like it, just riles me up. Um, I think I can feel your skin crawling kind of through the through the audio here. 
No, because it's just like I know that like, one. Like I, I'll, I'm not obviously not going to mention any names here, but um, I just know like one individual like in particular currently that like they're really good. Like again, like I'm not doubting like people like you know people coming out of college are smarter than I am because like again their resources for technology are much more vast than I am. Like I feel like I'm definitely like you know behind. I try not to be behind the times when I know I'm behind the times, but like kids come out and they're, and I don't want to call them kids. Uh, they come out and they just, they know more than us. And I get that. I absolutely get that. But like the attitude that kind of comes with that, if you can set aside that attitude, you will go so far because everyone has that attitude. And it's the people that kind of set that aside that tend to get like, you know, asked to stay a little bit longer. And like, hey, do you want another year of the internship? Hey, do you want to, you know, do you want to have a full time job here? Hey, do you want to, you know, it's it's that it's people that can work with others without like an attitude that seemed to really go far. Um, I would also say the other big thing that I can't stand is people that don't troubleshoot. Like and that kind of not necessarily just technology, but like and this is like, you know, it upsets me with coaches. It upsets me with like, you know, our interns, too. It's like, hey, this is broken okay, like, you know, what's, what's wrong. And there's like a message on the screen that says like, Hey, this is broken. Like, you know, press okay to continue. And they just leave it on that screen. It's like, you know, if you just press okay, you can go through like, you know, you can do that. Or like, <laughs> I give, if I give an assignment to like one of our interns and I say like, Hey, can you go put this on the top shelf? And they're just like, well, there's two shelves. What do you want me to do? I'm like, I, can you just like figure it out? If you can figure it out, like you can like uh, list of what I do, like there's not really a handbook that says like do X, Y, and Z. Like I've researched it myself. I use Google. I, it's uh, unbelievable how much I Google things that I don't know. Like I spent half my day Googling and it's just figuring it out because again, no one has the answers. And if you can figure out the answers and somebody doesn't have to sit down with you, that's great. And that's not, that doesn't mean don't ask questions because questions are awesome. I love when people ask me questions. But again, if you can't take the time to try to research it yourself and at least make the effort, like you're at a disadvantage. If you can do make the effort and I can see you made the effort, like that's awesome. I'm going to work with that person as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, to go back to the first one, that's how my buddy Rob uh, Wells, who ended up becoming uh, the video coordinator for the Texans after working with the, the hacks. And mm-hmm. then, you know, now he, he coaches high school football in Texas and, and, and teaches English. But. I mean, he was in the NFL for, for a decade um, and just transitioned out because that's what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He got his the internship because when I was working for the Dolphins, uh, the Hacks had hired a kid, highly recommended out of Oakland or uh, Oklahoma for mm-hmm. uh, their intern. And they, they said the first task they always give their interns is, and this is going back to the beta tapes, we would, he's like, they would say we'd have them erase all the tapes from the previous year, mm-hmm. you know, all the practice tapes. And they said, you know, that usually takes about a day and a half. If you're working home, if you're going through it, you know, they're like, yeah. you know, max, it'll take two days. So the day three, they asked this kid, they're like, Hey man, how close are you to being done? And he's like, I'm like halfway done. And they're like, get out of here. And they like <laughs> fired him on the spot. And then they, <laughs> I, I was riding the elevator with them. And they're like, cause I was working on my master's at the time. And they said, Hey, you know, you know, you got any buddies that, that would want to do this? And I said, you know, what do they have to know about video? And they go, if they can walk, talk and chew gum at the same time, they're like, we'll teach them everything they need to know. 
Mm-hmm. I went out that night with my buddies. It was Thursday. And I was like, hey, guys, if anybody's interested, let me know. My buddy Rob was like, hey, man, I'll, I'll talk to him. They, they called him up. He came in for an interview on Monday. That following, he started on Tuesday. I, it, you know, it's it's funny because I hear that story so like more often than not, and it's a gr- it's great because like I I love those stories because especially for like video, there's not like I'm not going taking a class at like BW or any other school that says like oh when a video coordinator like you know two oh one. Although we have our anything. sports technology class now that teaches you video editing. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, I got to look into that. Yeah, I would man. love to know what the curriculum is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more, it's, there's a little bit of like Huddle-esque stuff, but we do a lot of Pro Premiere, so okay. a lot of okay. Adobe stuff, but well, at least then they have some background in that technology, so if they move into to a video uh, class that they're able to do that. Oh, man, well, I stand corrected. Well, at okay, when I was in school, there's... Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I try like, to keep update with the curriculum, man. I try to keep updated. No, that's, that's, that's <laughs> awesome, but no, but like... A prime example, our one, our seasonal intern right now, Ben, uh, is from UMass. He had no background in video. I think he maybe shot a couple of basketball games for like the the basketball team, but that was it. But he, mainly, he was like a, a manager. And the thing we love, we I love about Ben, is that doesn't know anything about it, but he has the one thing that me and my boss always talk about. And uh, hopefully, I I can swear in this podcast, but no, feel free. Not you can edit it. It's we call it the give a shit factor. And it's the one thing that Mike talked about in my interview. It's the thing I talk about with all the interns. And like anytime we hire someone is, do they have the give a shit factor? Are they going to, if we ask them to do this, are they going to run through a wall to get it done? Not just like lollygag and get it done, which I guess goes to a whole, like, you know, you know, my pet peeve of not caring. But Ben came in day one and just was one of those like, Hey, what do you need me to do? Okay. We need you to do this. Okay. It's done. Like he'd come back an hour later. It's done. Like, first day of practice we had issues we were filming on these new sd cards that didn't match up with our cameras well and like we ended up losing like we kept getting all these card errors the first thing that ben does is he drops his camera pulls out a cell phone and he starts filming practice like just on the fly just like well i gotta film practice somehow so he starts filming on his iphone like we're like unbelievable like just kind of one of those like what else can i do like i tell him to do a b and c he goes down the list all the way down to x x y and z like you asked for this so i figured you probably wanted this and this too it's like I can't ask for a better person to work for than that. Yeah, and Somebody you can't teach that. And you can't, no, you really, you can't teach that. You can look for that because you either have it or you don't. And that's why, like, it's really hard to find people that are, like, willing to do that. Because, again, there are people that are great at what they do. But if you can't kind of adapt and do a little bit more, and that's what separates you, too, is, like, being able to do a little bit more than the next person or the last person, I guess, too. Yeah. No, and so so from that standpoint, to, to piggyback on that, what is your best skill or attribute? What's the thing that makes you successful? I have a feeling it's going to tie in with that answer a little bit. Um, I I don't know. I just always have been. It, I don't know my best skill or I, attribute, I would probably right? I, I would probably say it's just. I always give everything, whatever, whatever I do, I just give it my all. I try to make sure that it's the best thing I've ever done. And, you know, it's exhausting doing that. But I mean, when you're able to, when you're finally able to produce that, it's just, it's, it's great. And then when you kind of like say like, that's the level that it has to be getting to where that's always like, you know, if a coach asks for something, I want to make sure it's done as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Getting that done quickly and efficiently. 
then moving on to the next task. If it's bigger and he wants more cutups, then I got to do that. If a co- like, you know, I got to find a technology and create like, you know, create a new app or something like I'm going to make sure that that thing, I develop that thing the best I possibly can. And I don't know, I, I guess just really giving it my all. That's just, and I guess years later, still being able to try to give it my all. Like I probably say that's my best attribute. Okay. I don't know. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So then we got a couple more here. Um, what's a goal that you have for yourself that you want to accomplish in the next year? It could be personal. It could be professional. What's something that, that you're working towards. So if we uh, meet, you know, February 22nd in 2022, um, that you're saying, Hey, I, I've achieved this. <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, I would probably say, cause I have a bunch of goals for myself and I feel like it's always like the new year's resolution of like, Oh, I want to take a diet this year. And then it's always like the next year it's like, Oh man, I still really want to start that <laughs> diet. Um, the one thing that I really would like to do, uh, cause it helps me technology wise is I would always would, I have always wanted to learn to program. So, I mean, I've talked about like, you know, with my wife too, like taking a class to possibly take like a programming like course in one of the languages. Mm-hmm. I feel like anymore, there's so many ideas that I have that make, man, if I could just like write like, you know, this app or create this app and it's just like, but I don't know any coding. And it's like, I, I don't know. I don't want to reach out to like, you know, hire a coder because I don't want anyone to like steal my ideas and I don't know how to like legally, I don't know how to make NDAs or anything like that. (laughs) So um, it's just one of those, like, I would just like to create more because I just love again digital the whole digital aspect of just everything i just i love creating stuff in a digital space so i mean yeah. if i could program that would be like the last uh last key to the puzzle right. or piece well, of the puzzle yeah i took i took a boot camp to get a little bit uh and then we do some some just basic uh r with some of the students that's not necessarily gotcha. programs so searching and stuff like that but i'll put you in t- touch with stevan Lahutro, who was one of the other podcast guests he finished up his master's in uh analytics after coming here for his undergrad at, at the university okay. of chicago um okay and uh and he's he, he'd be a guy you wouldn't necessarily have to worry about an nda with uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's got some of those skills but uh yeah it's good stuff no i mean that's I, that'd be awesome actually that's so cool that that's that's available now no but i like you mentioned like the uh the boot camp i know I, i've always wanted to do one of those where it's just like you immerse yourself in it for like, you know, a week or like three days. I know there are different like varying lengths Six depending months. on what program. Oh, so that was a longer one. Okay. Yeah, that was, I did it during sabbatical. It, okay. Cause it was, yeah, I mean, we went, it was, uh, Monday, three hours, Wednesday, three hours, and then Saturday, four hours every week wow. for six weeks or for six months. How, I mean, I know I'm kind of getting off topic. How was it though? Like, was it like, I mean, it was great. I mean, the, the, cha- the challenge is I don't necessarily use it every day. Right. Cause yeah. I'm still teaching all my classes and then trying to get like, you know, when you're the consulting projects that we've been working on just are not necessarily tied to it. Um, yeah. so it's just making sure I, I try to stay at least a little, uh, on topic. So I work on some stuff with some buddies, um, just playing around with it. You know, that's, that's gotcha. the challenge is, is, is not losing what you learned because and, if it's not an everyday part of your job, then no, uh, it, and, it's, and yeah. it's so different than, than what I normally do that it's, you know, it's like, okay, I got to make sure I'm at least toying around with it, you know, a little bit every week. Yeah, no, I believe me, man. I, I'm right there with you. I mean, that's my whole thing too, is like, I'll get th- these different things that pop up where it's like, oh, I got to learn Photoshop now. And that's like, I'll teach myself Photoshop for like 20 minutes or quick. And then 
I, like I don't use it again for another six months and I got to reteach myself. That's the thing that yeah. scares me with the whole coding aspect of it. Like it's so in depth and so involved that like it's something I definitely would want to do every day, but not necessarily. I don't know if my job would need me to use it every day. So I, yeah. I to- totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. And then with the kids, you're like, do I spend time with the kids or do I spend time doing that? And it's like, son of a, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so I get that. I get that. I get that. All right. So um, let me see. We got, I know we got a couple over here, but tell me something that's on your bucket list. What's something that, hey, before, you know, I kick it, here's something I definitely want to do. Uh, retire. <laughs> Come on, you got that uh, NFL 401k pension plan rolling? For now, for now. Um, no, I. Uh, it's funny. I don't know. Uh, I, was, I was talking to my wife about that the other day, um, and she was shocked when I kind of said my answer. I think I'd want to travel like to every continent in the world. Just at least step foot on it. I don't know. I, I guess that I just travel. <laughs> okay. Have, have you but, have you ticked off any others other than North America? Um. Yeah, I've been to uh, Europe. We did the NFL uh, trip over there. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was right. about. That was about it. I mean, I really had. I with this like th- this job, you try. I definitely have seen more of the United States than I ever thought I would have in my life because I was mostly one of. The- I grew up in Medina, and it was one of those like I liked Medina. I liked living in Medina. Like I liked my hometown. A lot of my friends are still there, and I never really saw myself like kind of. I always thought I'd like work for the Browns, so I never had to leave town. But you know, it was one of those, I don't really want to live anywhere else. And then like being all these different spots, like I do enjoy traveling. Like, you know, I've been to New York multiple times, California, like everywhere in the United States. I feel like I got like a, you know, different food spot or different spot. I love like going to, and it'd just be cool to do that. Like, you know, internationally. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't argue with that one, man. That's a, that's a pretty good one. I, I've only, yeah, I've only got, uh, the European continent and, and, and the U S too. Uh, so, uh, I gotta, I gotta expand mine out a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, man, I would love to go to like, you know, check out like, you know, Japan, there's parts of Russia I'd love to go to like, you know, just that's where my wife really wants to go. So that's on the list. I don't know. There's just, I don't know. There's so Italy always want to go to Italy. Like, you know, (laughs) Italy's amazing. Switzerland. Italy's amazing. It's funny. I, one of my one of my buddies that works in communication. That's what him and his wife like wife do. Like every single year, they go like two trips to like you know internationally. It's always like some like you know absolutely <laughs> incredible like location view wise. And they go hiking and they do all of it. And it's just like oh god. <laughs> one time you wish you didn't have kids, but you know <laughs> yeah, get a little FOMO, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So all right, all right, all right. What are any all right? And this is, I guess. You know, we can make it explicit, but, you know, understanding that we might not want to name any names. um, What's a favorite story from your work life? So if you're talking to other video guys and you're like having drinks and it's like the can you top this story time? What's what's a story that you're telling that that you're able to share with us? No, it's just funny you say that because like that is that essentially at the video, like our meetings we have every year at the combine that that's all it is. Like our meetings are just like, yeah, you think that's bad. Let me tell you this. <laughs> and it's just like it's one of those just like you roll your eyes and but I would say but probably, you laugh. they're the greatest moments, though. Those are some of the best times. Absolutely. Um, mine. I don't know. The one thing there's a couple that pop out to me and uh, I'll start with this one. Uh, I'll at least tell you two. Because the other ones probably are too uh, 
too raunchy for this uh, this podcast. Co- coaches are d- dirty guys, but anyway, yes, um, yes. Uh, when Adam Gase was our head coach, uh, we were setting up. Me and my boss were setting up a um, a laptop at his house so he could watch video and uh, kind of remote in and just kind of work. He always said he wanted to work, so like you know he didn't have to worry about his kids and you know he could ignore his family. I'm like that's fair. <laughs> so uh, we go there, and he had just set up his new den. And uh, he had like this new, like, you know, everything was brand new, new countertops, new everything, new TV. And uh, before we got there, we went and stopped at Starbucks, got some coffees for him and, you know, my boss and myself. And I'm uh, setting up this TV and trying to just plug in like cables to it. And I had a coffee in my hand and I dropped it all over his white rug. <laughs> And it's just like, of course, I'm the jackass that like has to ruin like this new, like, you know, $5,000 rug and everything else. And his wife was like, oh, my God. And I'm like on my hands and knees trying to get it with like paper towels. I'm like, oh, no, it's not that bad. And uh, so, yeah, there's ruining Adam Gase's white rug in his den. Uh, Another good time was Mike Tannenbaum when he was our VP. Um, There was something with his office where like every single day he would try to do the most simple thing possible and it would just not work. Like it'd be like, my TV's not working. Well, it's not working, Mike. Oh, I'm trying to turn it on. It's not turning on. It's like, well, you just press the room. He's like, yes, I know how a remote works, Dane. It's not working. <laughs> and it would just be like, is the power out in here? Is it not like, is it a circuit? Is it like it, maybe it's the connection to the TV. Like you just, it'd be one of those things. Like they're, it's simple things. Like, Hey, I just want to watch a video. Hey, I just want to turn on the TV, but like you turn on the TV and like the speakers weren't working and like whatever. So one of these days, I was up on a ladder behind the TV trying to, Oh, I guess these stories always revolve around me being next to a TV, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> as a video, guy, a ladder, that's not that surprising, right? I guess. Yeah, I guess. So I'm on a ladder and he's on a call with some other GM trying to make a, a deal or something. And, uh, I'm on a ladder and I'm trying to reach behind and I get to like, I'm on this ladder and I'm like one foot and I'm reaching behind and then I fall. I completely bite it. I fall off the ladder, hit the ground. Ladder comes down. Luckily, the TV stayed up, but like there was a couple things on top of the TV that fell down. And he's like, again, like on a phone trying to make a deal with another team. And he kind of like looks over at me just like, you jackass, get out of here. And I'm just kind of like, yep, yep. Don't think I have a broken hip. I think I can crawl out of here. And I just kind of, you know, again, while he's making a trade, I fall and hit my head on <laughs> the ground. Hey, those I like those. I like those. I like both of them. So yeah. nothing wrong there. Nothing wrong there. And those are both easily told, easily told in yeah. all settings. Uh, uh, yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, there is. Okay. This one, I actually, sorry, I got one more. One all right. Hey, we, believe me, we got all day. We got all day. Okay. Well, okay. I got to one o'clock on and then I got to get a meeting with, uh, we're, we're hiring a new athletic director. So I'm on the search committee. So oh, I got to do that. Oh, that's one. awesome. So that's awesome. No. So I was, um, it was Chris Greer, GM, right now. Is its first year uh, doing the, it's the draft. It's draft day, and it's his he, first. And he's year. been there forever because he was there when oh, I was there. Yeah. He, yeah, he was a is, scout when I was there. Yeah, so Chris was a scout with us for God years, and just slowly rose up the rank. But like Chris was one of those like just he's a great dude. Like if you've ever met Chris, like he is the most normal person in like in this crazy football world. If anyone ever makes it like, you know, over here and you work in football for a while, you, there's a lot of crazy people that work in this profession. Like normal is not a word that I'd use to describe. A lot of <laughs> I work with. And Chris is a normal guy. Like you could have a normal conversation with him. And most of the time he doesn't want to talk anything 
about football. He just wants to like what's going on, like, you know, at home. Hey, let's talk about this TV show. Let's talk about this movie. Like just just normal guy. So anyway, it's Chris's first draft. And I'll never forget that day because like he's walking down the hallway. He's wearing a suit, which Chris never wears suits, but he's going to be on TV at some point. So he's got to wear a suit. He's not wearing a hat. He always wears hats. And uh, I walk past him. I'm like, hey, Chris. And he's kind of like, hey, like just really you can tell he's nervous. And um, we, me and him had always made a joke about like the movie draft day is like one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> and uh, so I found a yellow piece of paper and anyone that's seen the movie is uh, the beginning of the movie. The GM Kevin Costner writes down the player he's going to draft and says like Vontae Mack, no matter what. So like no matter what, all the distractions or anything happens during the day, he's going to, he's going to draft that player. So I got a yellow piece of paper and I wrote Vontae Mack, no matter what. And I walked past Chris later in the day. It's like maybe an hour or two before the draft. And I'm like, hey, Chris, here. And I hand him the piece of paper. He's like, what the hell is this? And he opens it up and he just starts laughing. Like he just can like uncontrollably laughing, like just a really deep belly laugh. And kind of like from that moment, he just wasn't nervous. Like he, I could just tell like that kind of went away and that anxiety. And like, he's just like, thanks, Dan. I needed this. And uh, the cool thing about that was uh, he gave it to, he was in, like in the draft, get done with round one, um, drafts over. He showed it to our president, uh, Tom Garfinkel, and Tom Garfinkel ended up tweeting it out. He's like, oh, Chris got the confidence he needed with this and, uh, you know, posted it over got a couple likes. No one really like, you know, people were like, oh, ha 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 draft day. But like, it was one of those things like, eh, it's kind of cool that I was able to like, you know, affect him enough to, you know, at least I think I, I think he calmed down a little bit. So, yeah, no, that's an awesome story, man. I mean, that's I mean, and it's obviously I don't think if it, if it didn't impact him in any way, he's not showing it to your team president. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? I yeah. think I think you're probably right. I think it's one of those things where it's like, OK, that broke the spell of, you know, just looking at look this at it, from if, yeah. the this is the biggest thing in the world, too. Hey, yeah, this is important. But, hey, it's, it's part of what we do. I'm ready for this. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, even if it was five minutes of a reprieve or a minute of reprieve of just being that, like, you know, that element, that's, I don't know, I feel, hopefully that helped him. <laughs> no, I, I got to imagine it did. I got to imagine it did. Uh, okay. Two more, two more here. Two more here. Okay. Uh, if you can interview anyone living or dead, who would it be and why? Howard Hughes. I find him to be the most fascinating, like, individuals that's ever lived. Nice. Like, just... I love the like fascinated with airplanes. So he decided to build the fastest airplane that he flew himself and set a speed record and like was fascinated by movies. So he decided, you know what? I'm going to be a Hollywood producer and director. Like, okay. And just like, Hey, we're going to like, you know, built the jet engine built like the world's largest airplane. Like just all those things, like just, you know, Hollywood playboy, like, you know, dated every celebrity like you know possible during the time period like just i mean yeah he ended up being crazy when it was all said and done but still <laughs> just like kind of like that passion to be able to say like well i want to do this let's let's do it like i just would love to just sit down with him for an hour and just you know pick his brain what did you think of the aviator loved it I saw I didn't know anything about him until I saw that movie. And I remember I wrote a report on him in high school and I was just like, I went down like a crazy rabbit hole. And ever since then, I've just been like, that dude is cool, dude. <laughs> no, that's that's an interesting one. I haven't had that one. So I'll, I'll, I'm impressed. That's a cool one. I like it. All right. So so <laughs> last one here. Last one here. Is there anything I should have asked, but I didn't? Because mm. I got one more after this, but that's 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 besides the point. 
Um, at what's your last one first? Because I wonder if it's going to tie into my last one is. I know you talked about it a little bit in some of the the stories that you were telling about your path, and then obviously some of the pet peeves. For any student that's listening, that's interested in in working in the sport field, what would your advice be for them? Okay, so that was what I was going to probably go with. Okay. Um, I would say the biggest thing for me that helped me get where I'm in and am right now, and I'm sure my my parents are going to listen to this podcast at some point because I told them about it, but it's getting a good support group. <laughs> well, we just um, doubled our listenership then. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would not be where I am today without my parents, without my wife, without the people that like everywhere I've been. It, I can count the I I can see the people that help me get where I am right now, and it kind of goes back to that like you know the Fred Rogers thing of like take a minute each day to think about who like who helped get you where you are. Like without those people, I I couldn't be sitting here talking to you right now, and like especially my parents who like from day one when I said I wanted to work in sports, like my like obviously my dad working in sports was like yeah you know help but like my mom like helping me make letters to like you know send to all the teams or. For supporting me financially, which is like, you know, obviously a huge one. But like my wife, I remember like when we were dating, I told her like, I'm going to be working in sports. Like it's not happening now, but someday like you're not going to see me because I'm going to be working like 16 hour days consistently all the time. And she kind of was just like, eh, whatever. But like she's at home right now, like, you know, try, working remotely, trying to like, you know, raise our kid too. And like I'm in the office and she's like, you know, taking on this huge burden of, you know, all that. Like I could not be where I am without her, without my parents. Like, and again, every step of the way I can name off dozens, dozens of people that just were, I, fortunately they, you know, either took a chance on me or they put their name on the line for me. Like, it's just building relationships like again with a support group and it's building relationships which I know is hammered down like their throats nonstop. Like I know every single person that was brought in to speak was just like network, 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 network. Like, and it was on one of those things like you roll your eye, but like, again, I'm coming back. I'm speaking, I'm speaking now and I'm just like, it's networking. It's building those relationships. So when that time comes, you know, somebody will like, you know, say like, Hey, yeah, Joey's really good at what he does. And I think he'd be an awesome intern there. I think, yeah, he'd be a full-time guy. And I mean, that's the one thing I always say. And I know Alva used to always tell us when we were in there, it's not who, it's not like, you know, what you know, it's who you know, but even that's changed. It's who you know at the right time because these jobs are going to open up at the weirdest possible times. I know every single one of these things when I thought like, oh, okay, like the window for me getting a new job is kind of closed for right now until next year. Soon as you think like a job's not going to come come knocking, like it's going to come knocking, and you got to be able to say like at that time, hopefully you have a connection somewhere, or hopefully you're willing to you know pick up and seize that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, timings, timings, everything to a certain extent. Timing, timing, you gotta be ready, but timing sports. is, timing, yeah, it's, it's strange. So. But it's yeah, it's definitely interesting, and I mean, but again, like. Yeah. If you don't have a support group, you don't have people like, you know, willing to help you out. It's I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's 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 going to be a tough road. It makes this already a tough field that you want to get into even tougher. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. I know I've had those dozens of people myself that have uh, either the folks that are supporting you or the folks that are taking the chance on you. You know, you, Mm -hmm. you can't do it without any of them. 
Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. If you look for people, like there's always someone to help every, like every step of the road. You just gotta, you just gotta look for them and you gotta find them. Yeah. No. Great advice. All right, Dane. Well, thank you for taking the time. I know it's, uh, it's been a little longer than the 60 minutes, but we appreciate you staying on. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry for rambling, Charles. Oh, no, there's <laughs> no rambling, man. It's, uh, Hey, when the stories are good, I'm not going to interrupt them. So, so that's, that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. I'm sure all the, the cheap seaters are, are more than happy to stay tuned and listen and, and hear everything that, you know, now I, I do have one last question. Are you a Medina high school alum then too? Uh, Buckeye High School. Buckeye. Okay. All right. Yeah. So. Yeah. The smaller variant of Medina, but yeah, right. Bu- Buckeye High School. All right. All right. So, hey, and, and I will say this too. One la- one last thing. BW. It's it's hilarious about like you know being part of the school because everywhere I've been, I've been able to like you like someone like the either no BW someone went to school BW everywhere I've been somebody knows like you know BW and it's helped me tremendously just whether it's a conversation starter or it's actually like oh yeah we're gonna bring you in for an interview because like oh you went to BW tell me about this person and it's like it's incredible like you guys are part of this like you know fraternity that is uh, uh, unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what we try for, and uh, hopefully we're achieving it. Obviously, you are a big factor in that as well, so uh, we appreciate all the hard work that you've put in uh, throughout the years and all the stops that you've made, and we appreciate you coming back and, and doing the podcast. No, anytime. All right, man. Well, that's all we got. That's all we got, <laughs> Chief Seaters. We'll talk to Dane later. Thanks again, Dane. No problem, Charles. Hey, Cheap Seaters, that concludes this episode of The Guys in the Cheap Seats with Charles Campisi, where I interview sport business professionals and get insight into their careers and experiences. Thanks to our guest and BW alum, Dane Chester. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review The Guys in the Cheap Seats wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we talk to Temple University Executive Senior Associate Athletic Director and Senior Women's Administrator, Jessica Rio, and Sports Digita Vice President of Business Development, Doug Holtzman.